Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kitten McCarty. Today's guest is Donna McGrew. Welcome, Donna. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Thank you. It's an honor to have you here. Donna is a Gold Star mother and a friend of a previous guest, Blue Star mother Susan Payne, whose show aired just before Veterans Day. Here, just before Memorial Day, I invited Donna to share her story and that of her son, Sean, a Marine who was killed in the training accident that happened in Hawaii on January 14, 2016. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Donna. An Oki from Muskogee, she grew up in a single-parent home in rural Oklahoma with a childhood she describes as difficult. Her only real solace was music, namely piano, flute, and voice, which carried her through her junior high and high school years. Bored with college, she left for California, where she met and married Sean's dad. Like her father, her husband was unprepared for marriage and fatherhood and abandoned his wife and baby. Like her mother, Donna raised her child alone. She worked in insurance offices and risk management until she turned 50 and then launched her own business as a licensed massage therapist. She's currently retired and lives in Texas with Mike, her husband of 27 years. Donna, I see you as someone who has learned to accept the difficulties in your life with humility and grace. Because of your struggles with deception, insecurity, and abandonment, you have become a seeker of truth and a woman who has genuine compassion for the hurting and broken. How do you see yourself? That is true. I would like to explain that my mother did remarry. So there were people in my life that were not always kind, but God has a way of making difficult times work out in the end and strengthen us. If we let him, if we step away from the victimhood and step into his strength, it, it all works together for the glory of God. Amen. So how, how were um, these things in you formed? As, uh, how, how, were, how did God prepare you to be the mother of Sean and the, and the sacrifices that you would make? Mother always worked really hard. And she taught me how to provide for the family because she was the breadwinner, even though she was remarried. She was the breadwinner. And it taught me how to do those things. I don't know what else to say there. Sorry. No, that's that's quite all right. Um, well, then tell us about Sean, um, and and tell us about uh, when he was born, the circumstances around his birth, and uh, being his mother, what that was like for you. Oh, it was such a funny story when he was born. The time I found out I was pregnant, I looked at the doctor, and he, he showed me the calendar. He said Sean was due on August twenty fifth, and I looked at the calendar and said no. He's going to be born. I didn't know he was a he, but my spirit knew he was a he. He's going to be born on Labor Day if he has my sense of humor. He does. He did. And he was born on Labor Day. And he did have my sense of humor. Bless his heart. So it was funny. It was very funny. Uh, delivery was interesting. He was an emergency C-section because I was too small to have him. Didn't know that at the time. But our doctor pulled us through and... We had some very difficult times when he was a baby. You know, it was it was hard to find a good babysitter. And he was blessed with a lady named Claire. 
and she was just phenomenal with the babies. Mm -hmm. And then he went to Christian preschool and he was so funny. I always talked to him like an adult. So <laughs> the preschool teacher said, he has got a massive vocabulary. And he did, he read early. He was very bright. He was musically inclined. He was also an artist, which he didn't get from me. I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. <laughs> but he didn't excel in school. He was bored with school, I think. Mm -hmm. He graduated from Klein High School and he went to Laterno University for one semester and hated it. I don't think there were enough girls there. <laughs> so he dropped out for a little while, came back home and then he taught rock climbing, which I think is really interesting. Then he went back to school, um, picked, up, picked himself up and went to Texas A&M University where he graduated with a degree in microbiology. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then he accepted his commission to the Marine Corps graduation, which I didn't know until the day of graduation. He had kept that from me because he knew I would not be happy. <laughs> I didn't really want him to pursue a career in the military, but God had his plan and Sean heard his voice and he wanted to fly, so he did. <laughs> he was an exceptional man, just an exceptional man. He was a straight shooter. He would tell you how it was. And he also ended up being a wonderful mentor to the people under his command. He did three tours in the sandbox, came home just fine from all three and went to his, what they call a dream career in Hawaii and lost his life there, mm. which was totally unexpected. You know, mm, when they're overseas, as a military mom, you pray all the time. It's just pray unceasingly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for protection. But, and I feel bad that I didn't continue that level of prayer for him when he moved to Hawaii. I kind of took a deep breath and went, oh, okay, he's good. Right, he in a safe place, yeah. Well, you told me that he inherited your musical gift. That was a comfort to you as you were growing up. It was a comfort to him as well. Tell me about that. He picked up, excuse me, picked up the guitar on his own. And I had no idea he really had an interest in guitar. You know, the piano was always in the house, but he didn't play the piano and I didn't play guitar. But when I found out he really wanted to play guitar, I gave, gave him lessons. And then he just kind of struck out on his own and he was very talented. He ended up being one of the praise and worship team leaders, guitar players in the church that he attended in Hawaii. And I didn't know he was Presbyterian until then. <laughs> because I was non-denominational and I didn't know he had a denomination, but that was fine. He just, and he passed those gifts on to his children. I have a wonderful picture of Sean's hands holding his guitar and his oldest son's hands holding the little one's guitar playing together. Oh, I know? love that. That's and, so sweet. Yeah. You, you said that he came to faith early. Can you tell me about that? Oh, he did. He was so sweet. I dedicated him to the Lord when he was two. God cashed that check when he was 41. When he was three, I picked him up from preschool, the Christian preschool. And here I am with the grocery bag and the diaper bag and the kid and the purse and the keys and this little face looked up at me and he said, mommy, guess what I did today? It's like, I don't know. What did you do, sweetie? He said, I asked Jesus into my heart. And he did. 
it was so precious and he was he was just filled with joy you know it was a joyous moment joyous moment for him and he wanted to share it with me that is so precious that is so, yeah. so sweet <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Well, um, so you told us how he grew up and how he kept his faith with him and he and into the military and was serving not only his country, but his church. Tell me about what happened in Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii. The base in Hawaii didn't pass readiness. They had a very poor readiness rate. And the commander of the base was relieved of duty because of the poor rating. The new commander had come on base and 24 hours later, Sean was dead because the Marines did not take an operational pause to get this commander who had never commanded a flight line before to get his feet on the ground, to let the people get to know him. They had called an all hands meeting and it had run late. And the general above the commander said, I want birds in the air. so." The commander didn't say it, stand up against him and he just put birds in the air. Um, it was a night mission. They were flying with goggles because of the readiness level or the lack of readiness level of the machinery. Keep in mind, some of those airframes were from the Vietnam era. era. They had had trouble finding parts. They went to museums. They had to go to the aircraft graveyard out in the desert to pull parts to maintain these aircraft. They should have been grounded a long time ago. So it was a night detail. They were flying goggles. Sean wasn't supposed to fly. 31 and 32, the helicopter numbers had gone out and then had come back. They landed and they did what was called a hot swap. The right seat person in 32 got out and Sean got in and they flew off into the darkness and they never came home. It was January, the North Shore waves were 40 feet. And the helicopters crashed into each other. It was called pilot error. The Sean's helicopter was in the front. He was on the right seat, so he was on the outside. The second helicopter behind them fell behind. They were had they had a time that they had to be at this army base for, for drill. So he fell behind and he caught up and then he realized he was going too fast. So he flared. And at the same time, Sean's helicopter turned and the rotors collided and there was a huge explosion and they were gone. We were blessed that we got Sean back. Three of the families got nothing. There was no DNA identifier, nothing. They were just considered lost at sea. My prayer had been that the sea would give him back because I know the sea rarely gives back those she takes. And I called our Keiko. This was in March. I called her Keiko and said, my prayer is that I want the sea to give him back. 15 min minutes later, the Keiko called me and said, you're not going to believe this. I just received a call from Hawaii. They brought up the first fuselage. Sorry. They brought up the first fuselage, and Sean was still strapped in his seat. 
he didn't drown. He was mortally wounded. I had to read the report of how they found his body at the final briefing. And that's why it took so long. They were in such deep water. They couldn't rescue them. They couldn't bring them up right away. So he was killed on January 14th and we didn't bury him until April 23rd. That's a very long time to not know what's happening, to not know what they're going to be able to do, to not know where you're going, uh, to not know where your son is. To but not have answers to all your questions. I'm sure there were so many. There were some, we didn't know what happened. Mm -hmm. I'm still not sure it was pilot error, mm -hmm. but I do know in my spirit when I was praying about Sean, when I knew he was gone. In my spirit, I saw Sean in the aircraft and I heard God, God call his name. And I saw Sean stand up at attention and say, here am I Lord. And I know that God took him home before he ever felt fear or pain. And that blessed me so, I am so thankful that God gave me that vision that I could see that he was safe, that he didn't hurt, that he wasn't afraid, that he just walked into the arms of Jesus. One of the pastors, it's an, I didn't know this man, but found out later that his congregation had been praying for Pegasus when they heard of the accident. And it was just one of those divine appointments where one of Mike's relatives passed away. We went to her funeral. That was her pastor. And when he found out who we were, he said, we've been praying for them. And I want you to know that Sean just exhaled earth and inhaled heaven. And I, I just have hung on to that because it's true. You know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I am thankful for that. Very thankful. Yeah. It is a small comfort to um, know that in the midst of losing your son. Um, and I'm so grateful that you have the confidence and the faith that he is um, in a better place now. Um, that doesn't leave us in a better place, though. And there's so much grieving. But you were even protected from that. You didn't find out right away. Tell us a little bit about exactly. that. Sean was killed on the night between January 14th and January 15th, somewhere around 11 o'clock Hawaii time p.m. And the morning of the 15th, I had been having heart issues. So I had an appointment with a cardiologist to go have a chemical stress test done. And we usually, Mike and I usually get up and have coffee and watch TV before we run out the door. Well, sorry, I can't rub my eye. This, that morning, um, we were late. We were running late, had to be at the doctor's office at nine. So we just threw on clothes and, you know, took showers, threw on clothes, out the door we went. When we got to the doctor's office, there was a big TV in the waiting room in the outside reception area. And it was on, but it wasn't on news. It was on prices, right? Or something crazy. They took me back, did the test that they put Mike in a small waiting room. The TV in there was broken. So he couldn't watch TV. When we finished, we're like, well, we're up here. Let's go have lunch. So we went to lunch. And when we came home, it was about two o'clock in the afternoon. My phone rang and it was Sean's wife. And she said, Sean's been in an accident. And my thought was a car accident. And she said, no, 
an aircraft accident and they're missing. I just wanted you to know before the Marines knock on your door. Well, I fell to my knees and I handed Mike the phone and he said, what's going on? And Kelly told him, I just wanted you to know the Marines are gonna knock at your door. And before he had finished that conversation, they were knocking at our door. But we didn't know any of this. We were protected. I know some of the Pegasus moms saw it on the news before they actually got notified. That's a terrible way. That's a terrible way to find out. So we were protected. God shielded us from that information until we could actually get it from the Marines. Um, that was just kind of the first step in the protection. We could see him, the hand of God, all the way through from that day until the day we next the next week when we went to Hawaii for the memorial service, which is out on YouTube. It's a two hour long service. If you've never experienced a Marine memorial service, go watch it. It's amazing. Um, there are parts of it I don't remember, but we got to meet the Coast Guard people who were out there trying to rescue them in 40 foot waves off the coast of Hawaii, off the North shore. And the, the roll call was the hardest thing. I don't know if you've ever experienced a military roll call. And they go through each one of the men and with Sean, it's Major Campbell in their silence. And they call again, Major Sean Campbell in their silence. And then they call one last time, Major Sean M. Campbell and their silence. And you could hear a pin drop except for the mothers who were crying. You could hear them cry. And at the end of that, they had the pictures, big pictures of each one of the men standing up in front of the helicopter. And they had dressed the white cross. They had brought out the boots. They brought out the vest. They brought out the helmet, the guns, one piece at a time until the crosses were fully dressed. And at the end of the memorial, they let us go be up there with our, our children. And as I walked up to Sean, I heard in the background this girl, little girl, cried, Daddy. And I knew that was my granddaughter. And it broke my heart. Of course. There still does. But God was there too in Hawaii with us. If you have a minute, I want to tell you the ice cream story. Hold that story. We're going to come back to it right after this break. Donna left us hanging right in the middle of her dramatic story. So let's rush through this break and get you right back to it. I do want to point out that Donna has graciously provided us all the pictures and links that she referenced in our show today. You can find these in our show notes or by visiting us at nis.media. While you're there, note our new web design brought to you by the team at Headset Radio and browse blogs and episodes about previous guests like last week's award-winning best-selling author Misu Andrews on the release of her new book, Potiphar's Wife, available now at booksellers everywhere. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter and our new monthly Bible study. 
watch our trailers, or leave us a message in our new Get in Touch section. You can also stay in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Pod. We'd love to hear what you think about our new look, our featured guests, how you found us, and our shows in general. We just love sharing conversations with you each week. If you haven't already done so, like, subscribe, rate, and review. Next week, hear Anna Coleman's brave journey through the raw emotion of fresh pain. It's a story that will give you all the feels, so don't miss it, as we kick off our focus on courage in the month of June. Speaking of courage, let's get back to today's brave guest, Donna McGrew. Listeners, we are back from our break and we left you at a cliffhanger. So join us as Donna and I pick up the rest of the story. She was going to tell us about the man at Shave Ice. Go ahead, Donna. It was a divine appointment in Kailua, the Shave Ice place. I had never been to Hawaii, so I wanted Shave Ice before we left. We were like three hours before getting on the plane to go home. We loaded up the kids, Kelly and the kids in one car, and I had the oldest boy in the car with us. And the ice cream place is in the middle middle of a bracket-shaped shopping center. Boy, that's really hard to say. Bracket-shaped shopping center. And we had to park way at the end of one of the brackets. And as we pulled in, it was a cafe and there was an airman, I could tell by his flight suit, sitting outside having lunch by himself. And I didn't want to cry in front of my grandson. So when we got out, I just walked up to the airman and put his hand, my hand on his shoulder and said, thank you for your service. And then walked off. We got our ice cream, shave ice, and we're sitting outside. Here comes this man walking into the shave ice store. So Mike said, whatever he's got, whatever he wants, I've got it. And he walked in to talk to him and tell him, thank you for your service. When this man found out who we were, he said, oh, I was flying that night too. We were flying. He said, we were headed back to the base. And he said, the tower called and said, how many pounds of fuel do you have left? And he told them, and they said, go to these coordinates, there's been an accident. He was literally first on the scene where the helicopter went down. He said, we threw open the, the helicopter doors and looked down and we couldn't see anything, but we could smell the jet fuel from that altitude and they popped flares. And I mean, what I always have a saying with God, there are no odds. Mm-hmm. Someone would say, what are the odds of meeting that man? There aren't any odds. It was a divine Good. appointment. Good. He was, his call sign was Easy Rider. And he was there to tell us Sean and the boys didn't suffer. Good. They were just gone. Mm, what a comfort. What a comfort it, it must have been. It was. And it was such a miracle to know that God cared enough about us to put this man in our path at that time so he could give us that message it was amazing it was amazing it seems like you've come to peace with that you know sean was so precious to you and his death seemed so unnecessary how did you process the grief and find the courage to go on you don't have a choice (laughs) it's not courage really it's just walking in the valley of the shadow of death and you just have to keep walking one step at a time knowing there are people in front of you that have gone before you and they help you through it. And there are people following you 
that you need to help through it. The grief will never go away. It's processed by a change. It doesn't, doesn't go away. It just gets different. But we know that there are people who never do move beyond the grief. You know, you say it's that you don't have a choice, but you do. And you chose it. You chose to keep living that some people never do. So thank you. Thank you for, um, for persevering and for being willing to share his story. What would you say to people who are grieving the loss of a loved one, especially on Memorial Day? Just hold on. Hold on. Sometimes, I'm sorry, sometimes the pre-grieving is the hardest. Mm -hmm. I call it pre-grieving because we know birthdays are coming, Christmas is coming, the anniversary of the death is coming, the anniversary of the burial is coming. All those things are with us all the time and we grieve them ahead of time. And it, it seems like, okay, when the date actually comes, I don't feel as bad as I thought I would because I've grieved ahead of time. Mm, I've good. done the work ahead of time. And I have to remember that God is always there. There's a Psalm that says, God gathers up our tears in little vials and keeps them under the altar. And he pours them out on the altar as precious perfume. Boy, has he got a lot from me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he has buckets, not just little vials. But I want people to know that our tears are precious. Go ahead and cry. Do cry. Tears are a language that God understands. Yes. Tears are very precious to him. Tears are precious to those that we have lost because the grief that we show is how much love that we had left to give that we yes, can. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely right. So Memorial Day services have changed for you. Tell me how. Oh, some of them are so very hard. Sean has a memorial here at what they call the Fallen Warriors Memorial. And they read the names of the fallen from all the Gulf Wars. And that tape of the names continually rolls 24 seven out there. Memorial Day, I can't go to his grave. That makes it too real. Mm. I can go to where his brick is at the Fallen Warriors Memorial because it's his name, but it's not his grave. I don't know if that makes Good. any sense. Good, yes. But it Memorial Day has always been interesting to me from the standpoint of when I was a child, and I think I taught this to Sean, we honored Memorial Day at grade school. We had what was called the Poppy Queen and the Poppy King from each grade school, and we all made a poppy wreath, and we took it to the seminary. seminary <laughs> cemetery. <laughs> Sorry, I'm glad you can audit this. I can't talk. I'm glad you can change that. Hello. <laughs> this has been so emotional. People, oh. you, we shouldn't be slick and cool about this. There we go. Okay. Mm. But I taught Sean early on that Memorial Day is a day to honor and remember those people that gave their lives for our freedoms. I had no idea that one day he would be one of those people. Yes. But it's, there's a saying in the Gold Star community, a man dies twice. He dies once when he physically dies and he dies a second time when no one else speaks his name. So we try to call their names and speak their names 
and I have stayed in touch with some of the Pegasus moms, and we've had a chance to meet. We stay in touch on Facebook. Not all of them, because some of them have never reached out. They're their path of grieving is different. Mm-hmm. It's too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's too hard. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that's brought comfort to you as well to know that there are other people who are who are experiencing the same thing as you are. That you're not alone in this. Yes, mm-hmm. and we compare notes. Mm-hmm. We have we found that some of the things they were told were not what I was told, and some of the things I was told were not what they were told by the military. So. Through the years, we've been putting pieces together. We know a little bit more now because the report they gave us was redacted. The names were gone. You know, each one got their own son's packet and your son's name was in there. The rest of them were not. So you didn't know who was doing what when on the aircraft. We have pieced it together. And I just, my heart goes out to all of them. And it's just heartbreaking when you hear that another training accident has happened because somehow in the minds of the military, this goes back to World War II, I believe, where they awarded the gold stars to the mothers. There's, there are two gold stars. I don't know if you knew that or not. One is the gold star on a purple background pin. And those are for the people that were killed in the theater of combat. Mm. The others, like Sean, are called the next of kin lapel pin because they weren't killed in a combat zone. And it absolutely makes me so angry. A death is a death. Yes, ma'am. If there was not training, there could be no combat zones. Why is the geographical location of their death expressed so heavily? And I just... I, ha- I thought about, okay, I want to raise this issue and I want to fight it. And I've discovered I can't be the tip of the spear. I can educate, but I can't, I can't fight it anymore. Sometimes they come to us in dreams. Not very often for me. I had a dream that I was standing in front of his casket and I was looking at his body, which in reality, I could not do. It was closed. And I was crying and sean walked up beside me and put his arm around me and he said mom that's not me that's not me and then i woke up i know what he meant was that's my body but me my spirit i'm here i i just wanted to share that because his body wasn't him his body was his spirit he was a kind man he was a mentor. He loved teaching aviation. He, he taught helicopters to baby Marines for a while. And he loved it, loved it. Um, he was a very strong Christian. One of the comments that was given to me after I got on Facebook and people started commenting was, you know, a lot of people say they're a Christian. With Sean, you knew he was a Christian. He lived it. What he would say is, mom, I love you to his children. I love you. I would never have left you, but God had a plan. And to all of us, he would say, love God, and I will see you soon. Mm, So sweet. Thank you so much, Donna. 
All right. As we close out the show today, Donna, I would love for you to read the names of the people that served with your son. Would you do that for us, please? I would do that. This is for all of the Pegasus men, the 12 of them that lost their lives that night. A man dies once when he dies, and he dies again when no one says his name. I want to read the 12 names in memoriam for them because this is Memorial Day and we, we need to remember what that means. For the 12 families, for the 12 Gold Star moms, my son's name is first because of his rank. He was the ranking officer. Major Sean M. Campbell, Captain Brian T. Kennedy, Captain Kevin T. Roche, Captain Stephen R. Torbert, Sergeant Adam C. Schuller, Sergeant Dylan J. Semolina, Sergeant Jeffrey A. Simpler, Sergeant William J. Turner, Corporal Matthew R. Drown, Corporal Thomas J. Jardis, Corporal Christopher J. Orlando, Lance Corporal Ty L. Hart, Simper Fidelis and Simper Pegasus. Mm. Thank you, Donna. And thank you, families who gave your sons and daughters to serve our country. We're so grateful for their service. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here to tell Sean's story, to tell Pegasus's story. Pegasus's, anyway, the story of Pegasus. <laughs> Pegasi? I don't know. What, what is the plural? <laughs> I don't know what the plural is. Mm, yeah, and to be yes. That's thank very you. important. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being vulnerable with your story, for um, for sharing Sean's story in such a beautiful way. We celebrate your life and his life and the gift you gave our country. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.